to the First Progress with Unity podcast of the new year. The first thing we've got to say is Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Paul. Happy New Year, Adam. Thank you. Happy New, New year, year, Barry. Have we all sobered up? I think I might just about have, to be honest with you, but I'm not too sure. I've had an headache for, for two days. I've been uh, doing my lateral flows every half an hour in case I had COVID, but... Well, that's, where they've, that's where they've all gone then, is it? Well, it <laughs> is, yeah. your house. This podcast, what we're going to do, we've, unfortunately, we, we've had no game to look back on. feels like a year since we last played. I mean a year, not not just like last year, but it's, it's that long. So we're, we're, we're going to have a little look back on the year that was 2021, the eyes and the lows, or shall we say the lows, then the eyes, because I think that's how it turned out. And then we're going to do a little preview of our trip to Oldham Athletic on Tuesday evening. Fingers crossed that goes ahead. Time of speaking, everything's fine for it, so fingers crossed. January 2021, we were 22nd and 19 points from 20 games. Not very good, really, was it? The positive from that month was the Spaniards had gone. We knew that they weren't going to be right for the club, so that was the positive. The negative, of course, related to the ownership, was we still didn't have anything concrete. Time was ticking. January transfer window had come around. Players were going in and out, left, right and centre. It was very difficult for us to keep up with when players were playing. Probably our best performance was at Rochdale. I thought we played okay there, but... Give, give a last-minute equaliser away. Steve Young yeah. with two goals that day. Also, Tendai Dariqua made his debut for us. I, I think the weirdest thing for me was the night we had Jonathan, Lisa and Caroline on the podcast, obviously talking about the latics, but the shadow foreign secretary being somewhat distracted by the crazy goings-on in the United States that night and having yeah. to dive off. To, we got bombed off for the BBC, didn't we? We did. That was the 6th of January, that. We got them on because, like Adam has said, the Spanish consortium had finally been given the shove, which it should have been happened two months previously. But Lisa and Andy spoke of optimism about the fact that possibility of two strong bids coming forward, speculation, the Ransom Royal consortium, and the other was some people from the Middle East, and that's about as much as we knew. Worked out okay, didn't it, in the end? January, in comparison to February, I guess, wasn't wasn't that bad, really, was it? <laughs> we move on, move on to February. Just before we do, we do, just to mention that Tom James played his last game for us. Uh, I thought Tom James was did all right for, for the last six. I mean, he lost a tooth, put his head in the way, didn't he, scoring that goal at home? I, yeah. I can't remember it was against, but it was the far post, and he, you know, he dove in with his head where it hurt. And he played his last game in that Rochdale draw. We finished the game without a centre-half on the pitch because Adam Long collided with the, the the post and had to go off on about about 60 minutes and Luke Robinson came on to replace him. And we followed that up with a goalless draw against Fleetwood and then took a bit of a thumping off Blackpool. 5-0 at home. For the second half of the season, Blackpool were the best side in the league, probably, weren't they? Losing that game with a patched-up team, probably, in hindsight, wasn't that big a surprise, to be honest. I, I, th- I think that was the thing, wasn't it? I mean, we, were, we we would have games where we would fight and, and scrape draws and scrape points. But the games where you got absolutely tonked were just kind of, like, written off very quickly, very easily, and we were, nobody was down off the back of them for very long because it was what we were expecting, given, like you say, the patched-up nature of the team. I mean, you, you got walked through that window and... There's players going, there's players coming, there's short-term deals running out, new short-term deals being done. So it was kind of expected that you'd get the odd hammering, but 
moving on to February, eight games in February, you know, on this this morning that we're doing about fixture congestion at the moment, there's a, there's plenty of it going on there. February was a very dark month, if I see to remember. There's still no no word about who was the, the bidders. We knew the Ransom Royal bid had, had faltered, and one particular game was against Old City down at the DW, and we got absolutely annihilated 5-0. Everything felt really, really dark that after that game. And even Liam Richardson, I'll just read out to you a, a comment that he made to to Paul Kendrick, and I think this summed everything up. You can't underestimate the enormity of the situation. No owner, no chairman, no CEO, no sporting director, no head of recruitment, no manager, no first-team coach, no goalkeeping coach. Show me another man who can live with that, and I'll shake his hand. What a situation we was in at this stage. The only thing I'd say about that, Barry, is absolutely spot on, but I'm not sure about shaking his hand because we're still in the middle of the... um... Pandemic, right? <laughs> so it'd have yeah, to be a pistol. By this stage, though, just one bid had gone through to the EFL. All, all we got was there is one bid with the EFL, no more information. As far as points went, we got out of those 24, Paul, what you mentioned, those eight games, how many did we pick up? Six. Six points, correct. It was quite, quite desperate times. We moved into springtime, into March, always known as last time, and I think it proved it once again. On the pitch, things were starting to improve, as I kind of expected, really, because, you know, it was a new team again that had to knit together. We started to get the odd few players back from injuries as well, from long-term injuries. But obviously, the key that month was the end of the month with the new owners coming in. We knew kind of two or three weeks beforehand that it was going to happen, but as Latics fans, until... You know, we dotted the I's and crossed the T's, given what had happened in the past. We couldn't be absolutely sure. But, yeah, that takeover was confirmed on the 31st of the month. Brilliant first couple of weeks because they, they did the rounds, didn't they? They met with all the fans. Obviously, they were on the on the pod. It, it was an exciting time. Tempered still with a little bit of, little bit of doubt as to what league we'd be in. If you remember at the start of last season, and Barry said it on many occasions, that if we start the season in League Two, he would have been very happy and survival would have been a miracle. So given the fact that we had new owners and we still had a chance of surviving in March, I think was beyond our sort of wildest expectations. And uh, we had a, a very interesting April uh, to uh, to look forward to under the new ownership and Thorpe's momentum and uh, the boost that he said it would give us to have that uh, certainty in place. It's dead easy in retrospect because, you know, you, you, you kind of look at it and think, yeah, this is, you know, this is going to help massively because for, you know, months and months, everybody had been working under a cloud of, you know, as much as I do in my day job, what the hell happens next? You know, is it all worth it? Well, you know, ultimately is a question that nobody can get away from. You know, it's it's. I mean, you'd you'd sit there and say, "Yeah, I'm a supporter as much as I am. I'm a fan and as, as a sorry, an employee." And of course, it's all worth it. But actually, genuinely, at the end of it, if the club goes bust and ceases to exist, it's not worth it, is it? So you know, that was there at the bottom of everybody's mind. And and whilst you've been talking, I've been scrolling back to see what the date was on Talal's hat. 
and that was the 7th of March. And that, you know, that was the, the start, wasn't it, where everybody's even questioning if it was real. One of those things, weren't it? I mean, how many face tents had knocked up last year during during lockdown where people had so much time on their hand? But suddenly, this, this guy, pretending to be somewhere in the Middle East, shows a photograph of an at with, with latex on it, and everybody, oh, yeah, who's this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was genuine. I mean, fantastic. Yeah. A quick note, though, on the takeover, we were six weeks off being kicked out of the Football League six weeks when it happened. That's how close it was. That's how dark it was. That's how desperate we were. And to have that that veil lifted off us and the light shine in, it's just the relief. It was just unbelievable. It was just, I, I mean, it's indescribable, not unbelievable. It's indescribable, the, the relief that we all felt. And when you think about now, like nine, ten months on, have we, have we forgotten about that and how we felt that day? Yeah. Personally, I haven't. And I'm right. grateful for every time I go down that stadium and I bang on about it. But is it is it just me or just a few of us? Or do you think it's the majority who feel that way? Uh, well, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I, I think some people uh, are already losing perspective with some of the things, some of the comments. Uh, I mean, there's been rumours circulating about signings and they are just rumours. They're not coming from reputable sources, but... For instance, Mandarin coming in, end of the day, he wouldn't be a bad signing if he came in, in my view, in comparison to what we were signing last season. We've got to have a bit of perspective and he would only be a backup player. And and Liam Richardson, you know, you've got to say him and the recruitment team have been absolutely immense, haven't they? You know, they've been superb. I think perspective for me, I think we've all got to have perspective. We've got a club. Yeah, we'll have our little moans every so often like we all do. But then I always think, take a step back and think, we could be Berry, we could be Macclesfield. I, th- I think up until Berry went, there was a definitely um, an arrogance with all football fans that doesn't matter what debt your football club gets into, somehow it it gets through it. But when Berry went, suddenly all those questions have got a reality about them. Who on earth wants to buy Little Wigan? Why, why would somebody from the Middle East care about Wigan? You know, and and the legitimate questions. I mean, obviously they've been answered in spades thus far. They were given further legitimacy by the, you know, the behaviour of Choi. You know, why was he interested in Wigan? You know, and it's it, it's the same because top Premier League clubs have obviously got a marketability and everybody's interested. Whereas League One clubs, there's not that global appeal, is there? I don't care who you are, you know, they're just it's not there the same as it is for a for a top club. So you know, the legitimate questions, but like I say, it's indescribable. It's hard to put into words. Just. The fact that you, you love that we are where we are. I, I've written down some stuff here on highlights of the year, uh, and I've put a five-year plan has taken five minutes. We, we were expecting, if we were lucky, to be in League Two, and then if we were really lucky, to be competitive in League Two. That's where that's where we were in March before Talalzat appeared on the on the scene. We'd be happy to exist, and we'd be really lucky in League Two and, and if we were competitive in League Two we'd be ecstatic Anyway we went into May needing one win from two games to guarantee our safety and in typical Lassics fashion we lost them both Can I just say as well though both of those matches in uh, in May were impacted upon by horrendous refereeing horrendous refereeing in both of those matches so good job they didn't in the end mean anything because no. there have been some referees who'd have been off my Christmas card list not that there's many of them on that list anyway 
that referee against Swindon was abysmal. That that tilt red card got rescinded straight away, didn't it? And I think the whole game should we not have had a couple of penalties in that game from memory? Yeah, well, we know the referee, uh, madly. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But but great scenes at Hull, though. Anyway, wasn't it? You know that despite losing the game. You know, we lost we lost that little battle, but we'd won the war, hadn't we? Uh, essentially, we'd stayed up, and and that that atmosphere, you know, the ticks are staying up, and you know, you got to pump it up and everything. It was uh, it was amazing, really, and you knew that a lot of those players weren't going to be there the following season for obvious reasons, but they played a massive part in in our history, you know, they've got to be remembered in the same way that, you know, the 12 players who featured in that FA Cup final were remembered for me because that was a squad of players who rolled the sleeves up. Uh, They were nobodies really and they became somebodies through that that season and it meant something to them at the end of it. And no matter what they do in their careers from now on, that's an achievement. You'll remember them for for keeping us in the league. It's like, go back to Jimmy Glass, uh, the goalkeeper. Nobody remembers him as a goalkeeper. You just remember him scoring for Carlisle and keeping him in the league. This is a similar, similar thing. They'll always be remembered for that nine months at Wigan Athletic, helping us... uh, you know, stay stay afloat and, and picking up enough points to, to stay in League One. And, and clearly, the man at the helm is getting close to being the best manager in Wigan's history now, isn't he? I think one thing that came out of me that was a, a massive positive was the fact that he signed a three-year deal with the club, keeping me until 2024 20, at, at least, which squashed all the rumours about him going down to Ipswich to hook up with Paul Cook. So, Liam Richardson stayed. Like you just mentioned, the... I know a lot of players left, and we had just five players on the books. No first-team coaches, a massive job in the offering. So over June and July, recruitment took place. And to say that recruitment was good is a little bit of an understatement. I mean, including in there your coaches as well. Phenomenal. Really, you can't really pick one out and say... That player's been very disappointing. That player hasn't been up to it. I can't think of any players who you'd, who you'd even put in that category. You know, even like, I know Bayless hasn't featured much, but, you know, he has played a part. And when he's played, he's looked he's looked okay. It's amazing, you know, sometimes if you got 50% of them right, it would give you a decent chance. I think we've pretty much got 100% of our signings right. And that's why I just keep saying to anyone when we're linked with players, if I was you, I'd, I'd rather trust Liam Richardson than Karen on Facebook, to be honest. I've alluded to it numerous times, the, the genius of Liam Richardson. And you know, obviously genius is probably too emotive a word, but the, the skill of Liam Richardson, every, like you say there, every player, all those jobbing journeymen that came in in the first half of the year that got us survival, all these players that have come in here, there's been not one of them that you wouldn't say has done their bit. And that is down to the skill of the management, getting performances out of the players and getting the players to care with the right attitude. It's, you know, it's not about, it's not coaching skills because obviously that goes on, but the coaching of, of attitude, the man management is absolutely exemplary. You couldn't ask for any more. You really couldn't. Well, we, we, we brought in good coaches. They've all played the parts. On, on the playing front, we ruffled a lot of feathers with the calibre of the signings, but the majority of which were, were free transfers. Another big thing was set up over the summer, the Believe Fans Fund, uh, which we're, us three are all part of. Another great initiative. 
We've got a progressive board in place, forward thinking. It's just so positive at the moment. Do we need to go on to the you know the start of this season? Because it's just been phenomenal. We had some fun, fantastic just uh, performances. Scored in every game, haven't we? It's been exciting yeah. to watch. Yeah. Uh, we've had we've had those moments when it, it didn't look like we were going to get any points for a game and we've turned it around and got three points. So there's the spirit, there's the enjoyment, the excitement. The crowds have been pretty consistent in the league, which is great. Uh, we've still got the likes of Sunderland and Bolton to come, which should possibly get that average over 10,000, which I think for the first season, first season back. Still a bit of lack of confidence with some people with the pandemic, which is understandable. Uh, money's tight as well, but it's a good start. I think the owners will look at that and think that's good. You know, we've got something to work with there. But yeah, I mean, all that's pretty fresh in the mind for the listeners anyway, isn't it? The last three or four months and it's been... You'll, you'll notice the tone of the podcast. Uh, if you look back 12 months, uh, it was a slightly different tone, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think it's more about looking ahead now, really, isn't it? And um, looking at what 2022 can bring. And it's very, very exciting times. Well, yeah, like, yeah, like I say, five-year plans taking five minutes, hasn't it? It has indeed. And if we look back to this time last year, we sat third off the bottom, and looking like it was the end was nigh. This moment in time, we're third from the top, four points behind Sunderland, but with three games in hand. And it's fantastic. I just want to give a big shout out to, to some players who buyers, I think they stuck buyers. Uh, Jamie Jones, Tom Pearce, and Gavin Massey, they were long contracted players to the club. They stayed around when others left. Also, not forgetting Lee Evans, who, who stayed as well. He moved on in summer. Callum Lang. His, his love for Wigan Athletic shines through every time we've spoken to him. Whoever this decision it was to ship him out during the administration to stop him getting sold was a brilliant decision. Uh, he came back in January and, it, and he turned our season around. Also, two lads who, who was with us last season and are with us again now, Tendai Dariqua, who's now a club captain, and obviously Will Keane, who's just been a revelation on since uh, since that I think more so since he came back from, from his bout of COVID around January, February time. It's just been absolutely brilliant. Just before we finish this little section, I'd like to read out Anthony Pilling, BBC Radio Manchester, has put a little paragraph on the BBC website. This time last year, Wigan was second bottom of the league without an owner and with a team comprised of short-term contracts, loans and academy youngsters. Fast forward 12 months and the good times are certainly back. Liam Richardson had five senior players on the book in pre-season, but with a well-structured recruitment process, has managed to form a squad full of character and unity, which now sits third in League One with sites firmly on promotion. The running for the Latics will be the strongest test yet, and while fighting in two cup competitions, the amount of gains will mean the squad depth is key to this success this season. While scoring plenty of goals, Charlie White's absence leaves them with one recognised striker, so the key to unlocking championship football for Wigan Athletic could be strength in numbers come January. So he's expecting us to recruit, and and I think, without any shadow of a doubt, we will be doing. Right, we've got a game on Tuesday, Bowdry Park, possible trip to Wembley at the end of this competition. Is it one we're looking forward to? I am. Yeah, definitely. I think the gap and, and the lack of football over Christmas makes you look forward to it, doesn't it? Should we move on to Ref Watch for Tuesday night? The ref is Ross Joyce from Cleveland. He's a 34-year-old bloke who was promoted to the national list of referees for the 2015-16 season. And since then, he's gone on to take charge of 
235 games in the Football League. He's refed us five times in the past, including the 3-2 away win at Fleetwood in November. This season, his card watch, he's taken charge of 18 games, issuing 59 yellows, three reds, and he's awarded five penalties. And that's Ross Joyce, who's your referee for Oldham. Quite surprised by this, actually, in terms of the previous against Oldham. I thought we'd played more games uh, against them. We've played a lot relatively recently. So, uh, played 18, won 10, lost 5, drawn 3. <clears throat> Our first meeting with the inferior Attics came in the 97-98 season, where we lost 3-1 away, but we won the return match 1-0 in March of that year. Last time we met uh, in the 17-18 season, we did the double. 2-0 away win early on in the season and then a 3-0 win at the uh, DW Stadium on their way to promotion, to the title. We've also met in this competition before uh, on the 9th of January 2001. We won 2-3 at Boundary Park in what was then known as the LDV Vans uh, Trophy. <clears throat> Unfamiliar Latic scorers that day, the uh, tiny Brian McLaughlin, and then two from Alan McLaughlin with the winner coming in the 95th minute. And our friend, Mr. Phil Dowd, boo, was the referee on that particular day. Some interesting players in the Latic side, Andy Morris and Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell played quite a lot of games for us, good solid fullback stroke midfielder. And Andy Morris went down in history to being the first player to ever score a golden goal for the Latics against uh, Burnley. Uh, their current form, not very good. Basically, from the last five games, we've got two losses and three draws. The most recent result, a nil-nil draw against Hartlepool yesterday. They've had a decent run in this uh, particular tournament. Quite an interesting result recently as well in a 5-5 draw against <laughs> Forest Green. I think they were actually 4-1 down in that match. As I said previously, they beat Sunderland in this competition with Harry Vaughan scoring the only goal. The manager is Selim Benashaw, who uh, was promoted from academy coach following the dismissal of Keith Curl in November. So I think at this juncture, we will go very quickly on to our predictions. Bazza? I'm going for a Latix win to progress through on penalties, because we love penalties in this competition, following a one-all draw and Jamie Jones slamming on the winner. Uh, well, I'm going to go for, I think we'll we'll play a strong side here because we it's first game back. We need to get some minutes into the legs. So I think it might be quite a comfortable win. Uh, I'm going to go by two goals to nil. Uh, just a very quick mention as well for uh, David Law, uh, who listens from Canada. Uh, I said I'd give him a mention. So uh, Happy New Year to Canada and all our other expats all around the world. We are a massive club and a massive podcast. Over to you, Thorpe, for your prediction. I, I think there's one thing that we're remiss in omitting in our review of the year, which was the 16th of October, when we went to our local rivals and we put four past them without return. So I will go with that as my prediction for going to our local rivals and putting four past them without return. I think, like you said, Adam, it's going to be quite a strong squad to get minutes in legs. So I'll go with a 4-0 away win. And it'll be bloody cold. 
<laughs> yeah. It will be called. And if you want to go to the game, you have to buy tickets off all the Athletics website. So glad to be back. We missed last Wednesday due to nothing to talk about, but we'll be back this Wednesday with plenty to talk about. So until then, here's me and the guys wishing you a happy new year. All the rest for 2022. Up the ticks. Come on. Up the ticks. Up the ticks.